0: Thanks for tuning in to our Cypress Church podcast. To learn more about our church, visit our website at cypresschurch.net and join us for our Sunday morning services at 9 and 11 a.m. Subscribe on iTunes for more.
1: Uh, well, good morning. My name is Mike, one of the pastors here, and uh, welcome to you online. That online community continues to grow. We're excited to, about that, but uh, I missed you all. Last week, I know Victor said he was gone, I, I was gone too, if you hadn't noticed, but uh, I was actually uh, uh, down in Huntington Beach seeing my son-in-law Jericho, there he is right there preaching. Uh, Jericho uh, is married to my daughter Jessica, and uh, he is the family pastor down in uh, uh, Christ Pacific in Huntington Beach, and he preaches like once or twice a year, so I had the opportunity to go hear him preach, it was, uh, it was pretty exciting. You know, Jericho is is one of the, we call them the sons and daughters of Cyprus. Uh, these are people that we've sent out, people that we have trained and been involved in their uh, development in getting them ready for ministry and sending them out, and we have a whole slew of them. And a matter of fact, one of them is my son, and he is actually preaching in his church this morning in uh, in Long Beach, and that's where Christie is this morning, and uh, I didn't want to miss twice in a row, So, <laughs> and I've seen him preach before, it's okay. He's he's preached here a couple times, so I'm going to get Jericho to preach here. I think you'd enjoy hearing him, but uh, just amazing uh, how God is using Jericho and how fun it is that uh, we as a church uh, had a part in Jericho's development. Uh, God does that with us as he brings us along all kinds of, of training so that we not only uh, develop in ministry, we grow in character and we thrive. It reminds me of a time that I went through some training, and I trained for the Long Beach Marathon. Now, yeah, that's that's actually me. I I'm, I actually weigh about twenty pounds less. I would have said thirty, but I've gained some back. But uh, uh, it's uh, uh, it, the training was like a part-time job training for the marathon, and uh, um, I, uh, I I it was good to have that training because I actually ran a marathon before I actually went and, and did it in, you know, for an event. But uh, on race day, it was exciting because uh, I actually enjoyed the time. I was running along there. I had you know good Christian music playing. I was enjoying outside, and it was great, all about until mile 19. Uh, at this particular, uh, they had never done this before, but they decided to put a hill in the race, and they went up and around uh, Long Beach State, and it just did me in. And I hit what they call my wall. Uh, and it wasn't just a it just, it wasn't just a physical exhaustion it was actually a mental exhaustion. I really felt like I cannot go on it was uh, uh I was completely drained and and mentally can't do this until uh God brought Terry Lambert into my moment right then uh Patsy Lambert was principal of a of a school just on the on the uh, route there that we were to run and she had some school students handing out waters and Terry was there doing the same thing. And I saw Terry and I, you know, I felt so alone and just so felt into my like almost depression of, of this run. And, and there was Terry and I just asked him, I said, would you just walk with me for a bit? And he just walked with me for a little bit, and you know, he, it was, I was able to kind of pull out of this uh, despair and, and, and kind of set me free from those crazy feelings, uh, reminding me that I can do this. And so uh, I, I, I went on to finish the race. And, and now, the last six miles were brutal. Uh, yeah, I was out of rhythm. Uh, I was just, you know, I drank too much and uh, uh, water, Actually, it was Gatorade at the time, but I, 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 uh, and I, and I was just about ready to give up. And then I saw this familiar face in the crowd who was kind of head and shoulders above everybody else. It was Gary Painter. And Gary Painter's yelling, come on, my go, go. And I, and I just, that familiar voice and the smile on his face and the excitement there, there were others that were there cheering him on, but I saw Gary because he was the tallest, right? <laughs> And I just, I, I knew I could finish, and I just kind of picked up the pace and, you know, kind of hobbled forward, and uh, there I am at the last bit, you know, fingers pointing, thank you, Jesus, um, that I actually completed the race. Um, I felt the energy to move on after Gary showed up and encouraged me. You know, the Apostle Paul was being a lot like Terry and Gary were for me to the people in the Roman church. Uh, when, when the Apostle Paul wrote this book of Romans that we've been studying uh, along, the Roman church uh, was in their own grueling marathon of life, probably hitting the wall. Uh, they were facing all kinds of issues. They were not getting along in that church. There were racial issues, personal differences, struggles, understanding, Jesus' teaching. Some said they had the answer. The others said they had the answer. Uh, There was persecution even from outside the church. The government was oppressive. Uh, Making a living was very difficult. Medical issues were common. Life was tough. They were hitting their wall. And so the Apostle Paul knew of their struggles, and he writes them. He writes them and encourages them. And on around in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39, it's as if he's coming alongside him like Terry was with me and walking with them and encouraging them, helping us to and them uh, know God and, and what Jesus has done and, and helping them believe in, in some key realities of life. And in these few verses, he brings out four truths of God and Jesus to know and to believe. So we can not only live well, but be victorious living life in God's unbreakable love. For focusing on all that God is and what Jesus has done brings victory in all of life's circumstances. So we're going to look at those verses this morning. And so why don't you just set your Bibles aside for a second and stand up and let's ask God to, to do something incredible in our hearts and in our minds this morning. Because I know that he has something for you. God, I, th- I thank you for this morning and just the opportunity to be able to uh, brave our weird storm <laughs> and uh, uh, come out and to hear your word, to be together and sing great songs and just have this incredible time together. So Holy Spirit, do something in each one of us. Challenge us. Uh, help us to, to learn what you want us to from this passage and, and be able to live forward with the truths that we now are going to gain. So bless this time and use it, we pray in Jesus' name amen have a seat and I encourage you to take out of the worship folder that Victor talked about uh, inside there was that uh, uh, connection card you know those prayer requests are really important to us I, I read them every week and uh, and I love to pray for you and so if you wouldn't mind putting if you don't have a prayer request just write me a note say hi Mike and uh, and fill in drop in the offering afterwards or or whatever but uh, then take out the outline that's in there there's some blanks to fill in the answers are going to be up on the screen and you do that. Also, uh, if you'd like to do a little bit of further study and uh, and get those answers if you miss them and some of the extra verses I give out, in the back there on the resource table, it's out these double doors and turn left. Uh, there's a desk there, a resource center, and on there, there's a study guide. On one side, it has all the answers to the fill-in-the-blanks, extra verses. On the other side is a great uh, a study that you can go through and, and help you continue on as we walk through this passage and, uh, and be used of God in that. So, but let's Let's uh, do that. Why don't you take your Bibles? If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, open up to Romans 8. If you don't have a Bible with you, our ushers are coming down the aisle. They have a Bible to to loan you. Just wave at them, and they'll be happy to give you a loan. You can leave it there when it's done. And turn over to Romans chapter 8. We'll be looking at uh, verses 31 to 39. Understanding these four truths of God and of Jesus to know and to believe. And the first of these four truths is, is to know God is for us and believe we are affirmed. Let me just read this out. Now, Apostle Paul is again writing this this church in the middle of their wall they're hitting and, uh, and challenging in this way. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? For he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Now, Paul is saying, what then shall we conclude from all this? And this all this is, is all that we've been learning from this Bible book of Romans, specifically in Romans chapter 8, that all who come to faith, that all who have come to that place in their life where they believe that Jesus uh, is their Lord and Savior, they understand that we're sinful that uh, we can't gain our own righteousness by doing good things or, or, the, or, uh, or going to church or reading our Bibles. Those are all good practices, but they don't change our reality of our sinful self, and that sinful self holds us back from God. and We can't enjoy him, and we can't relate to him. And If we can't relate to him, we can't live up to our full potential, and if we can't relate to him, we won't make it into heaven, and we won't know God and have that peace living within us. So when we come to faith, and many of come to that place, that transforms us. We move from distance from God to connected from God. We, we we move from unrighteous to righteous, and we are adopted, included in God's family. We can call Him Abba, Father, as Romans eight fifteen says. Not only that, we are co heirs with Christ, as verse seventeen says of of Romans eight. Yes, it, it also in His sufferings, but also in His glory as part of God's eternal family. And there's so much more. Matter of fact. If you just take in your notes and just write down this, uh, gotquestions.com, I think it is, or maybe .org, but gotquestions, and and look up on Google, just Google search, co-heirs with Christ, gotquestions, and it'll bring you to this great, wonderful website, great study on what it means to be co-heirs with Christ. But not only that, we've we've received our coach and our guide, the Holy Spirit, as as Romans eight twenty three says, our prayers are heard by God, as Romans eight thirty six or twenty six says, and 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 through those sinners by nature, through faith, we have been acquitted of all wrong by God through Christ, verse thirty of Romans eight, and as verse thirty goes on to say, our our future glorification is so certain that God speaks of it as already having taken place. And, and uh, Carrie talked about that last week. And and yes, we can be encouraged by the, the hope and the reality of heaven. But there is hope even now. And so Paul says that who can be against us? No. No one. Nor anything. God is committed to us and he, not even sparing his Son. He is willing to give up his son, and he certainly is willing to bring about his promise uh, in our growth and affirmation in our character. Philippians 1 6. For I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. We need to take in that affirmation. And yes, it will include some discipline. You want a verse for that? Write down Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to round 17. I mean, it's like that training. It takes discipline, and it's a lot of it's training and mentoring. But if we don't get that God is for us, it's tough to believe. It's like, for me, training for this marathon. I, I actually got shamed into the marathon by this man right here, Carlos Ricori. Now, you look at Carlos, and you say, not so much an athlete. Uh, and I would say the same thing because I called him up one day. He, he's a, a longtime mentor of mine. And I said, hey, Carlos, what you doing? And he goes, and he just he had just turned 60. And he said, uh, I'm doing great, Mike. I just ran a marathon. And I was just like shocked. I mean, my mouth opened on the phone, like long pause. Carlos goes, um, I'm not so sure, but I think I'm getting offended that there's such a long pause here. <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, you kind of should be because, Carlos, I don't see how you could ever run a marathon. And he goes, now I am really offended. <laughs> but Carlos said, you know, no, Mike, I can do it. You can do it. And, you know, I believed in in Carlos because uh, Carlos had mentored me in a lot of different ways. He was one of my uh, greatest mentors and helped me understand intercultural relationships and And, you know, we went down to Mexico time and time again together, and he was our main interpreter, and I would say crazy things. And he would pull me aside, Mike, don't say those crazy things. Uh, You know, that's that's kind of countercultural. And he helped me understand and and taught me. And and I trusted in him, and I believed Carlos was for me. So when he suggested Mike, almost challenged me, Mike, you can run this marathon. Here's the method I use called the Galloway method, which is a run-walk method. And uh, I, I believed in him, and I knew he was for me. And so I trusted it and went for it. What about you with God? Do you believe God is for you? Do you? Because the truth is we are handcrafted and designed with love by God. Roman, or excuse me, uh, Psalms 139 13 through 18, that we are uh, fearfully and wonderfully made by him. We are deeply loved and helped and guided by God. Isaiah 41.10 says that, that, that he will strengthen us and help us, and he will uphold us with his righteous right hand, that we are cared for and given rest. Uh, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you Rest. We're given a purpose, Ephesians 2.10, that that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for great works and upheld and admired. I love love Zephaniah 3.17, that we are just uh, admired by God so much that he breaks out in song when he thinks of us. And I could go on because God's word is packed full of truths about how God is for us. He's not against us. He's actually for us. God loves you. He cares about you. He can't stop thinking about you and looks for fun ways to bless you. God is for you. Say that. God is for me. Oh, I believe that because until we get that, that God is for us and believe in this affirmation, we will not press on. That that uh, uh, wall of the marathon of life will get us, and we will stop dead. Sometimes that's, and maybe that's where you are right now. Racked up in the the, the issues of your life, and you have stopped dead because you've forgotten that God is for you. And he's with you even in this. Even in this wall of life, this difficult time of life, God is with you. So what's holding you back from believing that? For focusing on all that God is and what Jesus has done brings victory in all of life's circumstances. See, the next truth to know and believe is to know Jesus is defending us and believe we are free. Look at Romans uh, 8 again, verse 33 to 34. Who shall bring a char- any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Jesus is defending us. You know, I was um, was a bit of of a goofball in high school. Um, I I did my best, but you know, there's not much you can do with this. (laughs) but but i believed in god and and i knew that god wanted me to 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 share christ with my friends and i was on the water polo team at the time and uh and and on the freshman team and we did we we just uh you know smeared all the other freshman teams in the league and and i think i got a high score a couple games and and uh and i was out talking with the the varsity team we were having a tournament at the time and and a bunch of varsity players were there and and i was there and we were chit chatting and and the conversation kind of started turning to uh, um, my faith, and, uh, um, and and these guys started giving me a hard time about my faith and saying all kinds of crazy things. You, you you'd call it bullying now, then it was just normal life. Uh, but just as it's about to get really bad, the captain of the water polo team walked up and asked the guys, "Hey, hey, what's going on here?" Because it was kind of getting a little intense in the conversation and. One of the guys, you know, went off, oh, McKay here, you know, he's talking about his faith. I think he's one of those Jesus people. Can you believe that? And the guys were all laughing, and uh, and the captain said, hey, wait a minute. At least Mike believes in something. You guys, and, and doing some good in this world, and you guys are out partying all weekend. Um, after that, <laughs> no one really ever teased me about my faith, and actually... God opened doors where I had a chance to talk about faith with these guys, and some even came and asked questions. See, it was nice to have a defender. Jesus is that defender for us. Because uh, Revelation 12.10 Revelation uh, says it, that we have an enemy who accuses us day and night before God. I picture it as this incredible courtroom scene, you know, with this big bench You know, you've seen those on TV, and God at the bench is the the ultimate judge and the one who's only rightfully can judge. And and, 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 and you and I, maybe we're we're sitting on the the, the stand being grilled by the enemy himself. And he rolls out this list of accusations. Oh, look at what Mike did. Look at what this person did. And the list goes on and goes on and goes on. and, And you hang your head in shame because they're all true. You know it. The enemy knows it. God knows it. And you know this is it. You are condemned. And and every one of those accusations, the penalty is death. Complete separation from God for all of eternity. And you have no hope. Because no act of righteousness cancels that out. No act that you did. I went to church. I gave. Nothing works. Finally, Jesus steps up. And he goes to the judge, and he said, as he holds out his hands and shows the nails and the scars from the crown of thorns are there, he said, I took care of every single one of those accusations. They are paid in full. The judge at the desk, God himself takes that paper of charge and stamps Paid in full. Because we have a defender. And not only that, we have a rescuer. And not only that, we have a redeemer. See, that's what Christ has done. All sin. All punishable by eternal separation. Who can bring a charge against us No one can. See, the enemy tries. And out of shame, sometimes we begin to believe the reality that, yep, that sin is too much. That sin can separate me and I've done it. I've messed up. There's no repairing this. And out of shame, we separate ourselves from the very one who wants to be close to us. see, even you cannot bring a charge against yourself. No one can. Amen. Christ died and paid the full penalty of sin, past, present, and future. He raised from the dead, showing his death was enough, was effective, and now is seated triumphantly at God's right hand, and he intercedes for his people on the basis of his shed blood, and that is enough. And we are free. Free of the accusations. Free of the shame. We are free. So know Jesus is defending us. And believe we are free for focusing on all that God is and what Jesus has done brings victory in all of life circumstances. Because we are not defeated, nor distant, nor. Forever disconnected. We are connected to Christ. Boy, live that out. Let that freedom and that reality soak into your soul. Which brings us to the next truth. To know and believe. To know Jesus loves and believe we are connected. Go back to Romans 8. Looking at verses 35 to 36. Paul asked the question, who shall separate us from the love of Of Christ shall tribulation or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. It is written for your sake. We are being killed all the day long. We are guarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Paul is quoting that last verse, verse 26 from Psalm 44, specifically verse 22. It's a Psalm verse uh, Psalm 44 uh, begging God for help because we live in a world where bad stuff happens to all people. And as followers of Jesus, we have a real enemy who will be creating tribulation in our life. That word literally means uh, purposed affliction, strong pressure. We will face that. You have an enemy who wants to destroy you. There will be tribulation. Jesus even said it, John 16, 33, in Israel, you will face Tribulation. Not only that, distress, sufferings, difficulties, and troubles, persecution, hurt from our faith, shunned, harmed. In other countries, it's lethal to be a Christian. Famine, will experience hunger, yes, not only from food, but in other areas of life as well. Nakedness, meaning stripped of all dignity, possessions, destitute. Danger or the sword, meaning killed for our faith. See, Paul's experienced all of these. He knows what he's talking about. And what sustained him is knowing nothing separates him from the love of Jesus. For see, in the love of Jesus, there's peace and there's help and there's, there's even joy. And just because difficulties happen and they will, Jesus' love is not less. It's actually stronger. I don't know where we get this notion. That somehow, if we're close to God, nothing bad happens to us. It's not true. You know, the rain out there falls on everyone. And the same it is. Difficulties and struggles and trials and tribulations, all the things that Paul just listed is going to happen to those who follow Jesus. But, but, but. But it's not that he loves us less. He actually loves us more. Let's just say that you have a friend or or a, or a child or a spouse or a family member who says, you know what? You don't really love me. You don't really love me because because you don't uh, uh, give me good things. You don't buy my meals. You don't give me presents and take me on great vacations and give me gifts and make life easier for me and make make life nicer for me and say nice things all the time. What would you call that person? Spoiled. Is that the way we look at God? (laughs) What true love is, is being there when you are at your lowest, when you feel lost, struggling and dealing with life issues. And that's where Jesus is. He's in the highs of highs and he's in the lows of lows with us. So believe we are connected and and cry out to him. Uh, uh, For my... Uh, personal devotions right now, I'm reading through the book of Psalms. I, I started in May this year, uh, just May 1, Psalm 1, May 2, Psalm 2, and been going through that. And so today is June 2nd, so it would be Psalm 33, right? And uh, uh, i just going to read through them until I finish. And and uh, um, one of the things that, especially in the Psalms in the 20s, 23, 25, 26, 27, there are a lot of those are David crying out to God. He feels that wall of life, that, that destitution, that, that, that struggling, those, the trials of life. And he feels those things and he expresses those in those Psalms and, and talks about how he feels distant from God. And yet then he reminds himself that God is with him, for him, and loves him. And it changes the whole entire psalm. And you can see almost a bright light shining through the dim clouds of that psalm. Well, I encourage you to read those psalms. Uh, it's a great study for you. We're taking you through some of the psalms this summer and I encourage you to read the psalms. But know you are loved by Jesus and believe, put your trust in him that we are connected. for focusing on all that God is and what Jesus has done brings victory in all of life's circumstances. One last truth to know and believe is <clears throat> to know Jesus is empowering <clears throat> and believe we are victorious. These last few verses just really speak for themselves. But I want to read them to you and expound on them in a little bit through this song that we're going to sing. But it says, no, Paul says in verse 37, no. Who shall separate us? No, nothing. Who should bring a charge against us? No. So all these things somehow affect our relationship with God and change his love for us? No. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Oh man, that's so true. That ought to fire us up. That ought to make us get excited about God. For there is complete victory. We will finish the race. There will be victory at the end because of Jesus. Nothing in all of creation can separate us from his love. You have that constant flow of energy in the deepest lows of your life and in the highest highs. He is there. Even in those difficulties we just mentioned. And No one knows that better than Horatio Spafford. Spafford lived in Chicago towards the end of the 19th century. He was a wealthy Christian who supported the evangelistic campaign of D.L. Moody. In his younger years, he lost his son. Devastating. But never doubted God's love for him. He still had his wife and his four daughters. And a comfortable income. His wealth was heavily into the Chicago real estate, which was unfortunate because of the devastating Chicago fires in 1871, destroying most of his holdings and wiping out much of his wealth. They never stopped believing that God loved him. Looking for an opportunity to get away and rest for a while, he booked passage for his family and himself to on a ship to england where he planned to assist moody in another evangelistic campaign a last minute business matter held him back so his wife and four daughters went ahead on the voyage their ship was sank by another in 12 minutes Ratio received a telegram from his wife. It just simply said this, Saved alone. His four daughters went down with the ship. He immediately left to join his grieving wife in England to comfort her just to be there. Can you imagine the pain? when his ship reached the place where the shipwreck had taken place, he wrote down his feelings that were later arranged into a song. You know that song. I want us to sing it together. It's called It Is Well. Sing with me.
0: When like a river attendeth my way when songs Say The day when my faith shall be sight. The com-
1: I I can't imagine him writing those words I I would be completely devastated and yet his connection with Christ allowed him to be able to say it is well because sorrows can't separate us from Christ not the sorrow of cancer not the sorrow of divorce not the sorrow of a loss of job a loss of relationship a loss of any other loss. Satan's blows can't separate us from the love of Christ. And not even our own sin cannot separate us from his love. No, not anything can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You know, life is a marathon. And there are times when we hit our wall. And yet we have already won. We've already been victorious. Sin has no grip on us. We can overcome. We can make it through life. Not just as a survivor, but one who thrives. For God is for us. We need to believe we are affirmed. We need to know that Jesus is defending us and believe we are free. And know Jesus loves us and believe we are connected to know Jesus is empowering us and believe we are more than conquerors. We are victorious. Will you pray with me? Father God, as we um, have just been challenged by the Apostle Paul, right in the midst of our wall in this race marathon of life, Lord, we, we are thankful. We're thankful for the truth that we are not alone. That you are for us. That you are with us. That you are delivering us. That you are constantly are letting us know of your love. And Lord we are thankful. We are thankful for that reality. And what it means to us. Lord buoy this up. Help us to be able to, to, to be free. From those depressive thoughts that hit us. And be able to walk with confidence. And finish the race. Lord, help us to know of your love. And bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I can't think of a better way to conclude this uh, time but in communion. Uh, Communion is a wonderful ceremony that we as Christians have been practicing for many, many, many years. Jesus actually set it up to remind us that he is our deliverer. He is our redeemer. In the middle of a Passover Seder when redemption was talked about, Jesus pulled up and said, took a, a, a bread and broke it and said, this is my body broken for you, saying, I'm the redeemer. And then when the cup of, of wine, grape juice came by, uh, it's red like blood. It doesn't become blood. Neither does the body become his flesh. They're just symbols of him and he says, yeah, there's a new covenant now in my blood, in my death. And, and, and I want you to take this in and be reminded that I am your redeemer. That's Jesus. He is our rescuer. He is our redeemer. He is the one who makes us righteous. Nothing we do on our own. So we're going to take communion together. And our tradition is, is that we have uh, four tables. There's two in the back here and two in the front. And those who are helping prepare that, if you wouldn't mind making your way to the tables right now and getting them ready. And and we're going to spend just a moment in prayer. And uh, and then uh, uh, once I'm done praying, take a moment yourself. And, and, and if you haven't yet come to the faith in Jesus, here's a great opportunity. You can simply say, Lord Jesus, I get it. I'm sinful. I'm, I need a Savior. I know it's you, and I believe in you. And you can just pray that and come take communion as a first time really as a true believer. I encourage you if you haven't done that. do that. It happens all the time here. And if you do, I'd love to know. Just write me a little note on a card and make it confidential. they will get it to me. And I'll be praying for you. And if you can, give me some contact information. I'll send you some follow-up materials with that. Um, but in a moment, uh, after I'm done praying and you come up and collect the elements, hang on to both the cracker and the cup until all have been served. And then we'll partake together. And after that, uh, Lance will come up and he'll lead us in the time of taking the elements. But let me pray. Father God. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Um, You paid the price for us. Your death took care of our sin and you sealed it with your resurrection that you are true. It's right and we believe it. So, Lord, we take these elements and we, we hold them and we understand what they mean and we Receive you and understand that that you are our redeemer. So, Lord, encourage us, pump us up to make it through life. And meet with us this moment, we pray in Jesus' name.